breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One zero one seven FM and seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty, happy Friday in studio with us this morning. Uh, Shreveport City Councilman Dr. Alan Jackson joining us. Thank you, sir. I know you've got a busy morning. Appreciate you coming out. No, thank you. I was always a blessing to, to our... be here. Uh, y'all always give me good hospitality, so don't <laughs> mind coming. I'm sorry hey, we hey. didn't have some water, but yeah. uh, I offered it's okay. coffee. It's okay. <laughs> A lot of things going on. Absolutely, let's, it, is. it uh, is. Let's talk first of all about this resignation from the clerk of council. Uh, so, what led up to this? What can you share about this? So, the resignation was definitely shocking. Um, I, I talked to some of the staff members to try to get some better insight as to, you know, what was Miss um, Joseph might have been struggling with or thinking about. Um, so, I don't know. Um, I will say that um, this this is a tough job. Um, mainly what makes it tough is that we're always in the scrutiny of the public. Um, and that's everybody that's involved. And there have been some public articles about Ms. Joseph um, accusing her of not doing her job and different things like that. And, and that can be very, very tough to hear. Um, I don't think the sentiments of council felt that way. Um, but just coming from the general public, I think that's very, very tough to hear. Um, council has had some missteps as it relates to procedural things. Um, who we feel like Ms. Joseph should have been able to catch or, you know, help us navigate through those things. Um, so some of those things may have been shared with Ms. Joseph. I, I can't really speak to that. I do know that dealing with seven different people, seven different personalities, seven different people asking um, you to do um, different things or research different things can be overwhelming. Um, and then also, like I said, having to deal with the public perception of how you're doing your job can take a toll on you. Well, she had some pretty strong language in her resignation letter. Mm -hmm. uh, she felt underutilized, undermined, disrespected, and she said uh, that she didn't have uh, the support of the council if she felt she, you know, she could not move forward. And and again, none of that has been conveyed to me directly by Ms. Joseph, so it's, it's difficult for me to speak on information that I don't have. Um, I'm not sure how she felt that way. Uh, we talked quite regular as it relates to the um, the um, council affairs position um, because that was one of the things that I needed her assistance with a lot. Um, so we talked regularly on that, and, and from my stance, she has been great. She provided everything I needed, um, was able to collaborate everything, send out the emails, even the whole original structure, which we'll probably get into that, about the interviews. Um, well, we talked a lot about it. You know, so I didn't get the sense that she felt, you know, those types of ways. And I'm not sure if she shared that with anybody um, prior to her resignation. Dr. But I wish ja she would have had. We're talking to Dr. Alan Jackson, Freeport City Council member. She also mentioned um, this quote, as you fight amongst yourselves. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you guys have been fighting? Has it been tumultuous? <laughs> Well, I, I, I would describe it as, as more of a family type fight. Um, it, it, we, we've had had a lot of differences, um, but you have to realize this is a new family that, that well, that's under the same roof um, with a with new mom and a new dad, all on the same roof. So that we're, we're going to have some um, disagreements. Um, who's mom and who's dad? 
Well, when I mean by mom and dad, I'm talking about the mayor. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, well, we got two dads, two toms, but um, that we're we're working with. But we're just all under the same roof. Mm -hmm. um, we're fighting over things like, well, I want the top bunk. No, I want the bottom bunk. You know. So there are small things, small growth things we have to go through, and and just like in a real family. How we deal with that is important. Um, if, if, if we are jumping into the procedural things, you know, I've reached out to every council member and I explained the interview process. Um, I wanted to make sure that they were comfortable with it um, and that they wanted to be involved. Even those that did not support the job, I still wanted them to be involved in the interview process. And everybody was really, really excited about the procedure. Um, but then after everything was crafted, the emails were sent out. Um, conversations we've had with outside media about the process and then things kind of spiral from there my, my issue if, if we're truly brothers and sisters or trying to work together if there was an issue if you had a concern with the process after i called you why not call me back or why not say hey you know councilman jackson i don't know if this is right you know let's let's get a legal opinion or you know let's call miss joseph just just to double check just to mm -hmm. research it I would appreciate that much more than seeing it in, a, in an article or, or some type of media that we've done something wrong prior to. Um, let's, and, let's talk about the new position. Okay. You guys are interviewing Monday. Interviewing Monday, Tell yes. me the exact na name of that job. Um, the, it's the Director of Council Affairs. And they will, they will um, who, who will they be accounted to? So the Director of Council Affairs um, was initially designed to report to, um, lack of better terms, all seven council members at one time. Um, and in and, and, and drawing a dotted line in the organizational structure, I know that's not plausible. Um, so in essence, um, just like the, the wouldn't clerk, they be responsible to the clerk of council? Yeah. Um, so the, so the should clerk. that position be? Should we delay that now at this point so we can get a new clerk of council in position So when it since was, they're going to be in charge of that position? When it was originally drawn up, that position was going to report to the chair just like the clerk reports to the chair. Um, it wasn't going to be where that person was going to be up under the clerk only because when we looked at the original organizational structure and we looked at managerial skills and different things like that, we wanted to bring in somebody that was high level for this position on the same level as a clerk as it relates to an organizational structure still reporting to the chair because that person was really going to be facilitating the needs of the seven council members not really involved in the day-to-day -day of the of the of the clerk's office so we wanted to make sure that the supervisor structure w was clear that those two individuals would not be supervising each other mm -hmm. but answering definitely to um, um to the uh, to the chair or to all seven councilmen, but that's a good point. So I don't think that this position has to be delayed because it it kind of lives outside of the original organizational structure. Um, the reason I want to look at everything in its totality um, because we we've lost some people, you mm -hmm. know, and anytime. Um, you lose more than two, three people, especially with a small group, the entire personality and dynamics of the office change. You know, so now we have an opportunity to make sure that we get, you know, two good people in there and making sure that they understand the fabric that they're walking in. This okay. is not a typical job. Um, this job is uh, always in the public's eye and your name may be put in the article mm -hmm. um, without notice. So you have to be prepared for that, and everybody does not have that skill set. I want to um, get I want to get to the candidates that y'all have, but 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 I want to get to Ken, back to Kendra Joseph for just a minute. We, okay. we'll, we'll take a break and get to the candidates that y'all are going to have Monday. What you're looking for? 
But Kendra Joseph, there was no advertising for the position. She was James Green, hand-picked person. Um, you guys voted on her last fall. Um, will, will this new clerk of council, will you be forefront leading the charge? Let's look for the best candidates. Let's advertise the position. Let's find somebody, as the mayor told us last hour, who knows the charter, who knows the open uh, meetings laws, and knows how to run a city government. Right. So when we go back to the charter, um, the charter allows for the chair to make that type of appointment. And when we go back to chair, I, I like to. But is that the best policy? To handpick somebody by one man so, rather than so, let's see who the candidates are out there. You so, know what I mean? So, so great. But when, when we compare, so let's talk about the chair first. When we, when we elect the chair, we're electing somebody that we feel comfortable with that's going to be able to carry these duties. We know what the charter says. And so when we elect the chair, we're, we're giving that person our authority and, our, and, and that privilege to handle business such as this. This is no different than our mayor of Shreveport saying, hey, this is who I want to appoint for city attorney. You know, we, we don't know what process the mayor may go through. That process is not a public process. Mm -hmm. He's not bringing in six or seven attorneys and say, hey, let's have an open meeting. Let's talk to all six or seven attorneys. He's using the charter and his power as mayor and say, hey, this is who I want to put forward. Um, and then city council, I'm asking for your support in this. Now, we may say, OK, uh, Mr. Mayor, you know, can we at least have a sit down with him? Can we at least ask, I say he, uh, can we at least ask her or, or him some questions before we confirm, but we don't have a list of choices that we're going through. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I believe our, uh, our chair of city council should have that same right, that same privilege. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, Dr. Alan Jackson from the Shreveport city council in studio with us this morning. Let's talk about the candidates. You how, how many have applied to be your, you don't want me to call it a liaison. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's a council. Um, um, director of council affairs. Okay. Director, that's yes. Um, and that six candidates have applied. Okay. Were you happy with that list? Do you, you have some I good am, choices? Man. We, we have some amazing candidates. Um, I was really, really excited for, for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, there's still some rumblings in the air. It does, is this position needed? You know, and, and even with the pay and everything like that. So with the high um, quality of candidates that we have applied, I'm ex extremely excited uh, because that's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I feel like needs to fill this role in order to help push the city forward. That There has been criticism. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, that you're, you're getting somebody. I mean, I've even heard it said, well, they're getting somebody to do the council person's <laughs> job. Yeah, and I get that a lot, you know, even when I'm um, working with my constituent through social media, you know, they'll say, oh, he's not going to respond. we got to wait on this liaison. And so I don't know why that word just sticks out so much. Um, but this position was always designed to help do a lot of the background work. It would never take the place uh, of your council person. You will always have a direct access with your council person, but it's designed to do a lot of the background work. If you think about um, doing campaign season, there was so much money spent um, to inform our citizens. I'm talking about push cards. I'm talking about text messages. I'm talking about just media, radio, just so much simply to tell people, this is what I've done. This is what I can do. Mm -hmm. And this is my promise to you in the future. While we're in office, we don't spend any money to inform those same citizens of what's going on. We don't tell them what we're doing, what we're planning to doing, and what we will doing. And so this position is designed to help um, correct that 
and and allow for information to flow. Anybody to working in the corporate world knows in in 2023, employees are being asked to do more and more for Correct. you know a lot of times for the same money. Correct. Your responsibilities might increase. Correct. Uh, what? Why can't government operate that way as well? Um, can't these duties be, you know, distributed amongst the the clerks uh, that are already there and already being paid a, a very nice salary? Absolutely. Um, anytime you um, create something that you feel like is important, the first question is: Do the staff already there have the skill set in order to make that come to fruition? Um, if and if they do. Is that going to take away from something else? After a thorough evaluation of what everybody does, um, I made a determination that that skill set does not lie with our current staff. Um, it's going to take time to revamp, re retrain in order to get us to where we need to be. And that's the next goal. Um, because we're down um, several people now, um, we do have an opportunity to make sure that we're getting the right skill sets, the right people on the bus in order to help move not only city council forward, but the Shreveport uh, forward as a whole. So I'm excited about the new change. Um, I'm, I'm always a big optimist. So uh, I believe that we're going to get the right people. And then I, I feel like we're going to jail. Okay, a couple of questions I'm, I'm getting from our message board this morning. Uh -huh. um, will you recuse yourself on voting on a couple of these candidates one i think donated to your campaign mm -hmm. and one may have um, bought some campaign signs for you will you recuse your voting on any on any of these candidates um short answer no uh i've i've looked into um ethical opinions and based on my research um, i don't believe i have to um, when we talk about um, this position, again, this was a widely publicized position. It went through an HR process. Um, we're looking for the best candidate. Um, I think it is a, um, a dissatisfaction to recuse myself from me voting for the person I feel like is the best candidate, regardless of what that person has done in the past, because you have to look at it two ways. Um, this person has applied for the job, this person may feel like they're qualified for the job. And if they know that, hey, you know, somebody can't vote for me based on who I supported in the past, I don't feel like that's a, a good justice to the city. Um, so I believe that everybody should have a fair shot. Mm -hmm. I feel like all votes that are on the table um, should able, be able to be cast for whoever they feel like is the best. And those interviews are open to the public Monday. What time is that starting? So the interviews are open to the public uh, starting at 3 o'clock. Um, that was not the original process. A lot of people are calling um, Alan Jackson's having these secret meetings. Mm -hmm. These meetings were not secret. These meetings were simply designed for every candidate to have 30 minutes to allow themselves to say, this is why I'm the best candidate. Um, if you watch the city council meeting on on Monday, they won't have the same opportunity to explain why they're the best candidate. I, I believe this process hurts the candidate, uh, and because it hurts the candidate, I, ultimately I believe that how, it hurts. How does it hurt the candidate for the for Wait, the it, public it, that they're serving to hear their requirements and their qualifications? So, because so more emphasis is placed on it being public for the public to see yet they won't have the same in-depth opportunity in order to express all of their, their, their concerns, and we won't have the opportunity to ask all of the questions that we need to ask in an interview-style setting versus in an open meeting setting. So when, when I've been a corporate mayor for a long time. Anytime you're in a public setting, um, people act differently. Mm -hmm. um, people address each other differently. 
I wanted to have a very, very candid and open, when I say open, open amongst all seven council members so they can really ask those tough, tough, tough questions. When I mean like tough questions, and this is not one that's not tough enough to be absent in an open setting, but how are you going to serve all seven people? You know, um, I, 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 a tough question can be um, which, which. Uh, but I want to hear the answers to that. The public you know, wants sure. to hear the answer I, to that. I, I, I don't see that, how that's a detriment. I, I'm. I, I, I agree, but. The answer to that may be different in a small setting versus in the public setting. Um, again, I wanted. Well, then that's not the person I want. I want them to be candid and tell me honestly what you know what I mean. Transparency has been an issue. Yeah. I, okay. Okay. I mean, I understand arrest records and you know their personal backgrounds and all that. I, I get that, but how they're going to serve the city is important to all of us. That's for yeah. sure. I, I just wish we had the time to thoroughly vet the candidates in the same manner that we would in a. 30-minute session versus an open council meeting. And so that's what this was literally mm -hmm. designed to do. And what I've been told, because we are a board, and board usually don't do hiring, this is the route we go. Right. But do you think about other candidates that have been selected, you know, they have thorough interviews that are non-public interviews, and then those candidates are brought to the forefront. Gotcha. Um, we don't have that opportunity. Well. One zero one seven FM seven ten Kiel Mike and McCarty coming up at eight oh eight oh something o'clock after the local news. Uh, Shreveport City Councilman Jim Talaferro going to update us on the interviews and what we just heard from uh, Councilman uh, uh, Alan Jackson and the resignation of the clerk and the resignation mm -hmm. the sudden resignation of the clerk that's coming up eight oh five Mike and McCarty one zero one. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. It's if you're, if you're hungry, tune out. Uh oh. Just just go away. Tune out. You don't want to hear this. I did it. <laughs> I did it. Oh wait wait is I this? know I, I know I derailed the show. I know you probably had something else planned, but this is too Actually, good. Actually, I did, but that's okay. My, my because any talking about food, that's fine. <laughs> I had something in my brain that I wanted to try, and I had never seen it really done before, so I thought, I'm going to try it. I took a cornbread recipe. It's, I, I didn't make the cornbread from scratch. I, it's, I think it's Zatarain's cornbread mix, which is a delicious mix. I'm not selling for Zatarain's anyway. Well, I would, but anyway, delicious. Yeah, loves love yeah. Zatarain's. And they make a beautiful cornbread mix for what it's worth. Cornbread in the bottom of a rectangle skillet. You know, I did, I couldn't do it in my cast iron because my cast iron was not is not quite big enough for the, what the dish was. So I had to make it in a deep rectangle skillet. Bake the cornbread till about five minutes left to cook. While it was cooking, this just makes me hungry. So I'm sorry. Made this crawfish etouffee, which I added to it. I add mushrooms and onions and bell peppers to my crawfish etouffee. Make this rich, rich crawfish etouffee. And then, right before the cornbread is done, I bring it out, poke holes all through it, you know, and then I pour the crawfish etouffee over the top of the cornbread. Then when you say poke holes in it, like toothpick holes or like big knife, holes? Like knife holes. No, I don't, dig out, I don't dig out any cornbread. I just cut the knife through it about okay. 20 times all around it. 
And then I poured the crawfish etouffee across the top. And then I stuck it back in the oven for that last five minutes or whatever. Then when you pull it out. Oh, Mikey, Mikey, Mikey. <laughs> Ruby, Ruby. It's magical. It's really magical. Sounds delightful. <laughs> it's really hot out of the oven. It was just so yummy. Now, I tried another piece of it later, you know, after being in the fridge. Not quite as good. It's like you need to add maybe a little pat of butter to it, which is real healthy, I know. But it, man. And everybody goes, well, where'd you find the recipe? I said, I didn't find the recipe. I just made it up, and it was trial and error. Because I wanted to do muffins, like cornbread muffins with crawfish etouffee mixed in. Okay. But I'm too scared those aren't going to rise correctly, so I didn't do that. But now, it was yummy. putting it on the bottom, could you have put the etouffee on the bottom and then put the cornbread mix over the top and then baked it that way? I thought about it, but I thought maybe it wouldn't bake properly. I was worried the cornbread wouldn't bake properly. I might try that and see. Oh, no, let's try oh, that way. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. I'm sorry I didn't bring oh, y'all in. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks for happen. sharing. <laughs> Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keo Mike and McCarty. Are you getting strapped in now? By the way, yeah, I buckle. I, I I know the boss is going to walk by, and I didn't have my sling on, and she's going to freak out because I have to do these little exercises with my arm, and so I take the sling off to do that, and now I'm okay. So you weren't doing chair aerobics; you were actually doing something. I have to do these little circles for another week, and then I get to do the pulling. So. Okay, I've got a question. Mm -hmm. we, we had another shooting. Uh, on Rainbow Drive in Cedar Grove, mm -hmm. resulting in two deaths. Yeah, we now know that the second victim has died. There's a third victim as well, expected to survive, but two men are dead. So that brings our count to 15, is that correct? 15 murders of the year. Mm -hmm. Now, or, or, or homicides. Right, homicides, yeah. Okay, yeah. we had a hit and run over the weekend, mm -hmm. resulting in a death. Does that go under the homicide category? I don't know. I don't think that's going to go under I mean, that's the... negligent homicide by vehicle or something? Isn't that, if wouldn't that be considered a homicide? That, that I'm going to have to reach out to the folks at the coroner's office and find out because, that, yeah, that could be a negligent homicide. It's probably a vehicular homicide. Right. And right. then does it come under that category? I mean, I it's, would bet. it's still a homicide. Yeah, I would bet it probably does. And that to me is... So uh, does that bring us to 16 now at this oh. point? I'm going to have to shoot them a text and ask and see, could that be? Because they're looking for the driver of that car now. Right. That, to me, is just inexcusable. I mean, if you hit someone, you know you hit something. You most likely oh. know you well, hit a person. Well, of course, you know you. Yes. You know, it wasn't a deer. It wasn't a cow. You know you hit a human it was, being. It was at Nor uh, North Hearn. Mm -hmm. You know there had to be some lighting. We hope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean you to. You say that optimistically. Right. There had to be some lighting. We hope so. Uh, mm-hmm. If not headlights, you know right, you hit somebody. Right. And, you know, the thing is, and I'm not making excuses, but, you know, if you were driving drunk or you were in a stolen car or you're doing something else illegal and you hit someone and kill them, you try to flee. That's what stupid people do. Mm -hmm. And that's what ha apparently may have happened in this case. They may have been doing something else wrong and were afraid if they stopped and said, hey, the guy just walked out in front of me. You know, maybe you're innocent of that. But you're guilty of other stuff, but so you're you in fled. a stolen car. Yeah, yeah, or you've got weed in the car, or you've got you know cocaine in the car, or whatever. So I, I, there's no excuse for it. But that's a good question. I'm not sure if it would add to the homicide total or not. 
I don't know. I just know that we got a new report out showing New Orleans is now the um, per capita murder capital of the U.S. And the numbers, and Shreveport is, uh, I'm not sure where we are on the list. I have to dig in. But the homicide rate in New Orleans is up 139% from pre-pandemic numbers. It's not good. And, you know, we're not the, New Orleans, Shreveport, we're not the only cities with these high, you know, climbing rates. It's it's going on all across America. But at this rate, Shreveport right now, we're on track to, we're on record pace. Um, we're, we're close. Yeah. We, I think we hit a new record last year, but the year prior to that, we had a pretty good year. We had, term, yeah, like yeah. 57 mm-hmm. or something. And then we, we got to the 90 mark, I believe last year, which was the record, the record was 91. back in the 80s or 91. Yeah. yeah. When we had all the gang activity. So we'll have to see, you know, if we're going to keep this up, it's, it's tragedy. And a lot of these people are young men getting killed young, 19 year old on Friday. Mike and McCarty, stand close. Uh, Treeport City Councilman Jim Talaferro going to join us after the 8 o'clock news, talking about the hiring that's going on within the City Council and the, the, the people leaving. 1017 FM. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. All right, it's for all practical purposes, we're basically into spring. Yeah. I mean I got I got green grass on my yard now. My azaleas are blooming. I told I told I told my wife, I said, uh I'm gonna have to get the mower back out. Uh oh. Uh oh. It's time. Which I I don't mind. I don't mind mowing. Mm-hmm. Um it's a little bit of peace and quiet. Um <laughs> On more? Okay. <laughs> but daylight saving time also with the spring. You know. Yeah. When do we change? It's coming. Um, Sunday, March 12th. Can you believe Wednesday is March? No, I cannot. Wednesday, so we start we're March. We're two weeks away, basically. Yeah. Two weeks from yesterday, as a matter of right. fact. Right. From changing the clocks. Now, technically, this is supposed to be the last time we do it. There was a, 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 a law passed. No, 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 no. Let me let me rephrase that because it wasn't passed. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 what, who's it? The Senate. The Senate passed the Sunshine Protection Act. Marco Rubio, mm-hmm. which said March twenty, March twelfth, twenty twenty three, be the last year. Would be the last time we change, and we'll leave it on daylight saving time, mm-hmm. not savings time. Yeah, it's no daylight S. saving time, right? But the House took no action. The House didn't pass it. So it only passed in the Senate, and they've done nothing so far um, in the current Congress to to you know, adopt the bill. Though a lot of people are screaming for it. They want daylight it, saving time. I think there's time. an overwhelming majority oh, absolutely. Uh, of people and, and, and politicians that are for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a staunch advocate of let's leave it. And quite frankly, I don't care which one you leave it on. I don't care. Yeah, oh, I do. I want it. I want it daylight. In the Just evening. leave it alone. Uh, but there, the, there are the opponents though that say having it dark in the morning is dangerous to children who have to get out and get on their buses and be out on the streets walking to school, and that it with it dark until seven in the morning or six thirty or seven whatever, it's dangerous to kids. So you're going to have that argument that if you want to keep it at daylight saving time. 
You're trying to kill children. And that's not, I mean, come on. That's not what folks want. But I like having daylight in the evening. I really do. Well, sure. I don't like this back and forth because I don't know if I'm going to be late or early. It's an ongoing fight <laughs> that I've had on this radio station. I remember, still to this oh. day, we went to a church in Bossier. And my mom got us up. It was just it was just the three of us, my mom, my sister, and I, and and took us to church, and nobody was there. <laughs> it's happened to me, Aaron. As a as a small child, <laughs> yeah, that's very disturbing. Right, you go to church and, <laughs> nobody's, and nobody's there. there. Oh boy. <laughs> well, we were an hour early. Hour, sit there and wait. Yep, you can go in and pray. <laughs> or you can go get some donuts and come back. So there was no, you know, we were there for Sunday school and and. I'll never forget that. I know. But the thing is, there are several states now that, and, and our state lawmakers who listen, they will know, we've already passed legislation that if the feds take action, Louisiana immediately goes to daylight saving time year-round. And Louisiana would do now, that immediately. we can do that without the feds. We could, There are yeah. other states that have enacted saying, no, we, we don't recognize it. Oh, Arizona. Hawaii, Hawaii you, bet, yeah. you bet. And I, it always messes me up because when my kid, you have one in Hawaii now, I had one out there for four years. You know, it would, depending on the time of the year, yeah. you'd have to figure out what time is it out there. I know. There's four either or three, four yeah. or five-hour difference. Right. And I had to figure out what time is it out there before I can yes. call him, you know. Because <laughs> Hawaii doesn't change exactly. at all. Yes. So we'll be getting, you know, we'll we'll... You know, I'm hoping Congress will pass it, but for this year to be the last, I don't think it is yet. They, they're not ready to move on it yet. I'm hoping they do. I'm hoping Rubio will push them and, and they'll they'll move forward. But I don't know. But yeah, the House the House hasn't acted. They haven't they haven't voted it down. Mm -mm. They just didn't do anything. They didn't take any action on it, and it just kind of lingered. So the Sunshine Act has not passed. So on March twelfth. Spring forward. We turn our clocks forward. Okay, here's the question. So you lose an hour. So I lose an hour of sleep? Yes. Because, like, if I get up at 5, it's really 6. So I need to get my butt up and move. Ah, okay. Okay. Maybe I'll remember that this year. No, I won't. Wait, never what? <laughs> <laughs> we spring forward. So we turn your clocks. You spring forward. So right now so it would really be 817. Yes, yes. Okay. I told you there's a we've got a clock in our bedroom that I didn't change last yeah, time. Yeah. Last in the in the winter. I didn't mm -hmm. I didn't change it. On purpose. I'm I left it because I said that's the actual time. There's <laughs> that's okay, it's you know And the thing is we don't have to change clocks anymore really. There are only a few in my house. Well my this oven is an analog clock. And my that microwave. That's the only two I have to change anymore. Everything else is automated. You know, your phone's automated, your TV, you know, everything is all, all automated now. But I still got to go in there and we and have some analogs that I've got to change. Do you uh, in the living room? Yeah, no. and then in the bedroom, uh, like you say, the stove. Yeah, the microwave. Don't have to mess with anything but those two, and everything else is good. But I still don't know if I'm early or late. And and my alarm clock syncs to my iPhone, so I can plug my iPhone in, and it'll 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 automatically change. Huh. So it'll sync. Yeah. Very nice. So very nice. I, you know. It's gosh, it's two weeks away. I cannot believe it's March already. Well, exactly. And mm. Let's let's stop this falter all. And and I'm curious in in what uh, you know what you think about it. Uh, our listeners, um, let us know on the uh, Shreveport Security Systems message board. 
you know, do you, do you want do you want to leave it like it is? Do you want to change it? Do mm-hmm. you want to keep changing every year, twice a year? Go back and forth. Is it endangering children if you keep it dark in the morning? You know, I I don't know. Are you a baby killer if you want to keep daylight saving time? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Louisiana Gigi says, "Do not make plans, Mike." They've talked about this for years. Well, yeah. this goes back to the early seventies, and they actually. It stopped doing it, and then one of the senators said there were there were children that were injured and even killed. Did yes, think we made a mistake, mm-hmm. and then they they went back to started doing it again. I just want daylight saving time year round. Let's leave it alone and stop this nonsense. Because I can't remember what to do. <laughs> do I lose? Well, it's sleep? not hard, <laughs> especially now. Like you said, it's all automated for you. I know, I know, I know, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, Councilman Jim Talaferro going to join us after 8 o'clock. I, tell me, I don't coming know. Up what... at, coming up at 740, Stephen Wagesback with the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry. The governor's budget. Uh, hang on, we're negotiating a time for him, so we'll see if we can get him on. Maybe next. Well, maybe next. Cool. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM. Say- One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Okay, first of all, if it's John Bell Edwards, then I'm, you know. But yeah, we had we had a thing last few years ago at the Hayride, and I wasn't disrespectful, but everybody's like the governor, the governor. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not walking across the room to shake his hand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But anyway, Stephen Wagesback, Louisiana Association of Business and Industry. Thanks for jumping on with us this morning. Um, Getting ready for the spring legislative session in about a month, and the governor's budget. I'm going to really pib about this. Forty-five point seven billion. When he took office, it was under thirty billion. Where is all this money freaking going? Well, first of all, Aaron, if there's any question as to whether you're one of my favorites, let it all be settled now because um, jam-packed morning, just finished carpool, about to get on Baton Rouge Radio. You text and said, can you get on? I said, yes, ma'am, because <laughs> uh, welcome back. Hope you're feeling good. I am. Hope you're I... back in, uh, you know, you got that robotic arm going. Let's roll, baby. I yeah. like it. Yeah, we're good. We're, how is this budget 50% higher in eight years? And, and we've lost people. I'm, I'm, I'm really upset about it. Well, it's because when you raise taxes and the federal government carpet bombs cash on states all across the country, this is what you have. You have money everywhere, surpluses everywhere, but it's all a mirage. It's all a temporary moment in time. And so, look, the taxes were raised at the beginning of this governor's administration. We all remember this. It all, uh, a big chunk of it expires in 2025, where that temporary sales tax comes up, and that's about $500 million there that came in. But there's a host of other taxes that were raised um, early on in that session that now are also coming to roost. That's why you're seeing some of these business collections come in higher and, the, and some of these other uh, income collections coming in higher. But also, don't forget, all that free money that was pumped out of D.C., you know, that some went directly to the states. And a lot went to, you know, people and businesses and all who went out and made big purchases and, and afford that. So, look, collections are up, but it's a mirage. We know that in a couple of years the federal spigot's going to get turned off. All that fake money's going to go away. 
We know that the temporary taxes are coming for renewal. We also know that there's some uh, infrastructure investments in the state that are dedicating existing vehicle sales tax fees. So lo and behold, it's this. Whatever they spend this year is going to make 2025 that much more challenging. Mm -hmm. Because in 2025, we know three things are definitely going to happen. The 0.45 temporary sales tax is going to come up for renewal, extinction, change, or whatever. That's about $450 million. The vehicle registration uh, dedic uh, fees dedication, that's going to be about another $300-plus million. And hopefully, you're going to have the federal fake money spigot turned off and clogged up in D.C., so that's not there anymore. So you're going to have a big pullout of this mirage money in 25. So the name of the game this year is don't spend money you're not going to have tomorrow. Well, that should that should be a, a a mantra anyway. But what about the federal government, Steve? And uh, you know, carpet. I love that phrase, carpet bombing billions to like Ukraine. That's right. Well, you know, it's a misplaced priorities. Um, you know, you're spending money elsewhere, and you're making that the top priority. And look, I'm all for you know for protecting and promoting freedom around the globe. I'm all in for that. You know, I'm also in for protecting the border. And I'm also in for protecting an American economy. And I'm also all in for uh, having domestic energy production so we don't have to depend on foreign hostile countries. Instead, we can create jobs and investment and, you know, safe, affordable energy here at home. So it's just misplaced investments. But, look, that's not shocking anyone listening on this radio right now. D.C. is fundamentally broken. They don't, they don't get it. They don't know what the true issues are in the country right now. I travel around the state all the time talking to small businesses, and what they say – nonstop is it's so hard to find people who are, are who want to come in and work who want to come in and and, ha and prepared to work and prepared to work doesn't mean a big fancy four-year degree prepared to work means you can read you can write you can sell drugs you can have soft skills you can work as a team you have some technical training and the, one of the challenges is we have so much of our workforce and young population who the last couple of years they were sent home by pandemic shutdowns um, and they were able to access all of this carpet bomb cash, and the, the work ethic is, is broken. And so we've got to rebuild it from scratch. We've got to go in and remind folks the value of hard work, get them back in the workforce, get our economy moving again. Let me ask you this, Stephen. Stephen Waggis back with Lobby. The governor's proposing a pay raise for teachers, 3000 1000 for support staff, a pay raise for firefighters, police, sheriff's deputies. And who wouldn't uh, want that? We love that. That sounds great. But we can pay for it maybe this year, but we're creating yet another fiscal cliff for down the road. Do you urge lawmakers to take a close look at this? It's hard to make that decision to not give teachers a raise in an election year. I don't think it's an either-or decision. I do think if you look at two frontline workers we have right now, teachers and police officers, we have a morale problem there, and we do have an investment problem there. So we have to make sure that those two frontline uh, officers right now that they are getting uh, a, a salary compensation. So I'm, I'm all for it. What I'm not for is you're telling me in a $45 billion budget you can't find other efficiencies or reductions or savings to help pay for that? You're telling me that there's no other way except to use dollars you know aren't going to be here in two years to do that? I refuse to believe that. And where so where can we cut? Have you identified some areas where we could cut? Some wasteful well, spending? Well, we know right now... You know, look, I, I know there's, there's a lot of different buckets you can look at, but I tell you one thing we know right now is the enhanced federal Medicaid that was put in place over the last several years to help in the pandemic shutdowns, that's rolling off right now. And state governors are being tasked all across the country of, okay, it's time to go through those roles again, find um, those that were in on the enhanced Medicaid, 
roll those back because the feds aren't going to pay that do- those dollars anymore at some point. And so states are being asked to do that. And I think this, uh, the governor put like almost, I don't know, $160 million into the budget, if I remember right, um, to, to, to do that, to go and search those roles and do that. I, I don't know if it takes that much to do that. And I, I, I kind of think you could do that more efficiently. It seems like you should be able to just go back and look at where folks, what folks were on five, three or four years ago, which folks are on now, and do a scrub on those folks. So I bet a big chunk of those savings are better spent, I mean, dollars are better spent going towards raises. So that's the first place I'd start right there. One more thing. We've got to let you go. I know you're busy. Um, there's talk about an increased gas tax again because of our backlog of $15 billion worth of projects. Would you see this governor and the, the DOTD secretary, and they're both on the way out the door, proposing that and pushing hard for that? And do, does that have any chance of passing? I don't hear any momentum of that. I don't hear any anyone pushing that. I would be very surprised if that get, even gets out of a starting gate in this session. The truth is that uh, a couple of years ago, the legislature dedicated existing vehicle sales tax fees to infrastructure, and it starts this year, and it goes in. I mean, it starts next year, and it goes into effect the following year in full bore. So, investments coming from existing dollars. I think now the name of the game is to make sure that those dollars are spent on priority areas to make sure we do things like finish the 49 gap we have up there and other priority areas in the southern part of the state. We should be using existing dollars more appropriately. I don't see an appetite to raise any taxes this session, especially uh, on on gas tax right now. Stephen Waggis back from LABI. Stephen, thank you so much for your time. We know you're busy, and we do appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. Have a great day. Mm -hmm. Welcome back, Aaron. Thanks. 1017 FM. Seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, talking about the the time change and whether or not it should be permanent, which I think it should be. I got a great text. <laughs> this is awesome from a local official who shall remain nameless. Okay, I still have a tell the times message that a man hates daylight saving time because the extra hour of daylight is burning up his tomatoes. <laughs> I think that says all you need to know. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) I miss Tell the Times. Boy, me too. Man, that was juicy. (laughs) Uh, Shreveport City Councilman Jim Talaferro joining us after the 8 o'clock news. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM. Seven FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty, Daylight Saving Time. We change our clocks again, spring forward, March 12th at 2 a.m. Do you get up at 2 a.m. and do it? Do <laughs> no, you, no, no, no. Okay. No. Uh, March 12th, Sunday night, set your clocks forward one hour. So we lose an hour of sleep. We lose an hour. And then, okay. uh, on the Shreveport Security Systems message board, uh, a little earlier, we asked people what your thoughts were. Uh, early fall, late spring, Sandy in Shreveport says EFLS, okay? What's EFLS? EFLS, early fall, late spring. Okay. These letters are in alphabetical order. If you do not change your clock in the fall, you will be 
early for church, early fall. If you do not change your clock in the spring, you will be late for church, late spring, early fall, late spring. That helps so, me. There you go. So it's spring, so you'll be early for church, early no, fall. No, late spring. Early fall, late spring. That's what I said. You'll be late for church. <laughs> you have just mixed me up completely. Now you've... I was making headway, and you just ruined it. You pulled the rug right out from under me. America 1776 says, like Mike, I don't care which one stays, just stop changing the time yes. i really want it to stay with daylight saving time i want it daylight more in the evening and but see I, I, and i'm sure you're the same way yeah I, you know, I have to go to bed much earlier than i used to right and when it's and when it's daylight it's still at nine o'clock at night it's weird to go to bed i don't yes i don't like that and i don't mind if it's dark when i come to work it's dark I, normally anyway exactly so, murica uh no kathy and houghton says i'm one of the few who love standard time okay i hate getting up in the dark and the kids argument is true too yeah, I and I do get that. I understand that. There's a lot of people who think ah, that's a problem for kids when they're out, out in the dark, catching the bus, walking to school. I get that argument. And, you know, Louisiana has passed a measure saying that immediately when the federal government passes a measure on daylight saving time to keep it, that we automatically go to it. But the Senate passed it, but it never the House took no action. So. Uh, Rule 9 from Washington, D.C. on our Shreveport Security Systems message board said bills not passed by both chambers at the end of Congress expire, mm. which means the Senate will have to pass it again. Uh, yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, that's the way it's going to work, and, and, the, and they haven't taken any action so far this year. I don't anticipate they will because uh, they have so many other big things to do. Okay, we have another message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. Somebody, please tell me what the Weather Channel guy is saying <laughs> when he says his name. And I, I, used, I texted Robert about this mm -hmm. years ago. And, and I, I continue the quote, Sounds like gibberish, and I've been listening for years trying to figure out what he's saying. <laughs> he sounds like he has a stopped-up nose when oh. he says his name, and I can't understand him. Richard Llewellyn. Yeah, he just says it so fast, it sounds it's like it's slurred. Richard Llewellyn mm -hmm. at the Weather Channel. Yeah, he says it fast. Richard Llewellyn. Maybe at we'll the ask him Maybe we'll ask Richard him the weather, the weather channel. <laughs> In his defense, he does only have 20 seconds to tell us all of the weather for the That's day. True. That's <laughs> true. Okay, bye. Yeah, oh, and, no, that's, and that's the only defense I have. <laughs> so, Cody, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with you because I couldn't figure it out either. I know what he's saying, and I still can't. <laughs> I still can't make all the syllables I match. Know, I know. <laughs> I know. But you know, when you talk to him, he doesn't do that. We've talked to him. Uh, you know, some of the severe weather Absolutely. we've had. Absolutely, he's great. And he does. Yeah, he does a great job. He's in such a rush to get that forecast in so many seconds that he at the end he just. Blah, blah, blah. So we know we understand. <laughs> Richard Llewellyn at the Weather Channel. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Talaferro. at the City Council. Coming up just after the local news. One zero one seven. We, we've started a, a, a firestorm. I think you have, yeah. <laughs> Farmers against regular folks. 
1017 FM 710 Keel Daylight Saving Time. By the way, there are a few things that 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 I'll I'll post about. One is if if St. Patrick's Day, okay? Mm-hmm. If you shorten it, which by the way it isn't shortened to Patty, St. Patty's Day, okay? It's P A D D Y. It's not P-A-T-T-Y. It's with D's, yeah. It's mm-hmm. with D's, St. Yeah. Patty's Day. And another is Daylight Saving Time. Daylight right. Saving Time, there is no S on the end of saving. Yeah. B.L. in Bossier, uh on the Shreveport Security Systems message board says Daylight Savings Time is for lazy people. I'm reading verbatim. Nobody, all caps, wants to get up early. They all want to stay up late. For farmers and ranchers, daylight saving time is horrible. When you work till dark every day, by the time you get home from work, the 10 p.m. news is on and it's time for bed. (laughs) And your tomatoes are dead. And your tomatoes are burnt to a crisp. No, I think you can protect them. You can find a way to protect them. I know people are not don't agree with me, but okay, oh. it doesn't matter what time we say our clocks are. Yeah, we're not extending actual daylight, sunshine. <laughs> right. Okay, right. We have no control over that. Right, but the sun is less intense in the morning hours. I guess. I guess they're saying it's real intense in the afternoon hours and it kills their crops. Well, in the summer, sure. But that has nothing to do with whether we say it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 10 o'clock at night. The sun is going to be there regardless of what our clocks say. We're going to have the same amount of sunlight hours in a day. It'll just be at a different time in the day. But maybe it's less harsh in the morning. I don't know. My tomatoes. Oh, boy. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't I I'm just sitting here realizing March twelfth is two weeks away. Wednesday is March. That's yes. Aaron. Tomorrow's the last day of February. Where did I mean Mardi Gras is over. Mardi Gras is over. Super Bowl come and gone. I'm sitting in the pool the other day with somebody on Friday who goes, Yeah, I had to go get fish today and I realized OMG, we're in Lent, and I ate meat today, and I completely forgot about it. And the last time I ate meat on a Friday in Lent, I broke my tailbone. <laughs> time is flying by. Now, How you, is it? now your shoulder's in a I know, sling. I know, I know. It's just, I'm falling apart. Okay. But how are we at March already? I, do you realize I'm, we're, we're coming up on me being here a year? Wow. Aaron. That's when they keep him, isn't it? After a year? Is that when they say, okay, you're good? I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a hoping. We're having fun still, and, you know, hopefully, yeah, you're, you're it. You're I the mean, I'm, I'm worried about your body giving out, you know, <laughs> back problems and knee problems and shoulder issues. Oh, hush up. Down Her there. head fell off the other day. It just yeah, fell no, off. I glued it back on. It Super just, glue just, works. Driving down, just fell right off. <laughs> I'm worried about this. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, Jim Talaferry. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Jim Shreveport City Councilman Jim Talaferro. Good morning, sir. What a mouthful, Mike. What a mouthful. <laughs> My gosh. Good morning, Aaron. Glad to have you back. I Thank hope you're doing well. I'm doing good. Uh, Nobody you... says they're glad I'm still here. <laughs> 
right, that's a topic for another discussion. Yeah, Jim, um, you're you're newly elected to the city council. You're getting your feet wet uh, with some hot water today. Uh, the council mm -hmm. is considering. Well, well, let's start with Kendra Joseph's abrupt resignation. Uh, a scathing resignation letter. You guys fighting among yourselves. You're um, mm. discrediting her. What, what was much of her letter true? It was a shock to me, and I immediately responded to Kendra. And the irony, or I, I guess the unfortunate thing about it is, is by the time we got the letter, my guess is that she was already out the door. And so uh, I'm not even sure she got my email, but I did courtesy copy. Um, the mayor and uh, Mr. Dark and other um, um, clerks up in the office, as well as each city council member, to basically, um, I was just, I was just kind of taken back, and I was just very uh, saddened and confused to learn of her resignation, and that uh, um, I wanted her to know that, or and everyone to know that I'm very concerned about the welfare of every support staff member. But, what, uh, but were, were, but were some of her allegations true? Was she being undermined? Are you guys fighting? Mm -hmm. I mean, she made it sound like, you know, it's a, it's a circus up there. And she said she was she, disrespected. Well, she, right. She made, it, she made it sound in her letter that we, we the, this council, or maybe select members of this council, uh, but I'm going to take it as a council as a whole because we are the body, is that we're very dysfunctional and we can't get our act together and, Maybe she felt that she couldn't work in this kind of a dysfunctional environment. I, myself, really had no uh, indication that she was unhappy. Everything I have asked her to do, she was very willing to do it, as all the staff up there. I had never uh, any issues with her um, taking the new kid on, on, uh, new kid in the block um, you know, under her wing, and she was uh, very accommodating to me. Is the so, council dysfunctional, uh, though, Jim? Well, the, I think we have our issues as as well as any as well as any council has their issues. I think there are some things that we got off on a rocky start um, with our uh, open meetings issues and so forth. Um, but I don't. I think that whatever we have, I think we can work through it. I came on the city council to have respectful, honest dialogue, and that's what I'm going to be looking for going going forward. So I don't know what her perception was, and I. I really wanted to. I reached out to her. I think uh, Con uh, Grayson Butcher reached out to her, um, and other members of the um, of the council may have, because I've I've spoken with other members of the council who are just as confused about the language or um, what she perceived to be a hostile work environment. That's the only way I can kind of gather her verbiage, and it's, it was hostile to her. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened. Um, it makes me very uncomfortable to have a staff member feel that they work in an environment where they're not appreciated and valued. So what's the next step in the in the procedure to replace the clerk of council? Where, where are we on that? Well, this this is up to uh, people are going to reapply or uh, reapply. People are going to apply for that position. And that position um, serves at the pleasure of the council. And that will be something that the council will have to do the same process as we're doing for this um, this uh, this advisory position, um, and that will we'll, we will do interviews for that position as well. Okay. I mean, do you think yeah. you, you, the council is hiring for basically a PR person? Do you think that should be put on hold until we get a clerk in position? Well, it's interesting. Well, I, I agree. It's interesting that you bring that up because this is this was one of my emails to the council themselves. 
is that the priority is to get, um, I just wanted to get our act together and not get the cart before the horse. Um, I, I made the suggestion that we put up, we put the brakes on, you know, do anything further other than concentrating on hiring the clerk of council. I think she or he, I think this position is the hub of the wheel. If it truly is for us, the city council, um, then those people up there, uh, this was their leader. This was the person that they kind of um, got their instructions from. So I think it's I think it's irresponsible for us to go forward to hire another position, one position, and not kind of look at the position that really serves as the hub of the wheel for us. Well, I asked Dr. Jackson about that very issue. He mm-hmm. seems he seems intent on pushing this forward and it seems like it's uh you know going very fast to hire this uh director of council affairs well that's correct i mean and to, to his credit um i can speak for myself only he did that we did sit down and we discussed it and um right off the bat i mean i i i told him i wasn't i wasn't a fan and i'm not a fan i'm not a fan of someone being hired specifically what was supposed to be eighty thousand dollars, and now with benefits and so forth, it's hundred grand um, to come in and be. Lead. I'm calling it liaison. He's not, and maybe other council members are not. But this is the person that uh, looks like in the job description. You know, basically, it's it's a go-between. And um, there are things in this job description that um, I agree with uh, Councilman Butchers that we already do. I don't think we need another person to do this. To set the vision, I think that's the that's probably the responsibility of the chair. So there, yes, I understand that uh, um, Dr. Jackson he made the determination that um, you know we were going to go forward with this. And uh, my only thing was, and I brought this up at the council, is that why don't we have some discussion about how to best accommodate these needs if these needs really exist across the board? I don't see all these needs. I handle everything pretty well. I return my phone calls, my emails. If I need to call a press conference, I sure as heck am going to notify the mayor. I don't need, um, I don't think I need somebody else to do that. I can speak for myself, sometimes not great, but I can speak for myself. But I just wanted to take this new position, if we're going to have it, just to sit back and say, look, what other opportunities do we have to, um, to fulfill the job description in this that is, is so laid out? Um, whether it's hiring people back to answer the phones or, you know, I think our biggest thing is follow-up and tracking our citizens' concerns for accountability and resolution. So I think this is one of the biggest things we can focus on. And i got to tell you that I went up to the clerk's office and we discussed how to better track our citizens' concerns um, coming into the office. And I think within 15 or 20 minutes, we resolved that issue um, by, by simply um, – making certain changes to our already uh, system that we're currently using. Jim, let me back the truck up just a minute, because you, sure, uh, you said for the council clerk position you want to take applications and uh, the council will make the – this wasn't handled with Kendra Joseph like that. She was handpicked no. by the council chair. You heard mm-hmm. Alan Jackson say that that's the council chair's, you know, he can appoint – um, was it handled mm-hmm. properly before? I mean, we we don't we shouldn't have a council chairman who can just pick employees he wants. He said the mayor can appoint a CAO just like, and so the council chair can appoint the clerk of council. Shouldn't be that way, should it? I well, this is this is Jim Talaferro's opinion is that who works for whom? 
the council works for our citizens. You know, and so our citizens really, and this is one of the reasons we, I brought up the open meetings issue and that I wanted it to be in a public forum is that we, we cannot forget who we work for and that everything that we do, I believe, um, should have or should be in the public eye. And, um, I am all, uh, I know this, I know that Dr. Jackson said that there are certain things that, um, the mayor can appoint and that's, that's true. But it has nothing. That, but I think the the mayor appoints people that that help him run his administration. I think we appoint people who help us um, deal with the issues, the quality of life issues for our constituents. I don't see this as any other. Um, I, I just believe that it should be in the public uh, public view, public forum mm-hmm. to uh, select and have those people come up and explain to the public why they deserve the job. What, what benefits they're going to bring to the job. Shreveport City Councilman Jim Talaferro on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Jim, can you hold on for another segment? Sure. We'll be back with Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM. 7. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline Shreveport City Councilman for District C Jim Talaferro talking with us uh, Jim going back to the clerk of council position so um, has has anybody said this is how it's going to work what is the protocol how are how are they going to proceed uh, is the chair going to assign somebody do you guys vote on it what what's next. Okay, so I guess what I'm what I'm hearing you say is that obviously we're going to do interviews today. Now, well, interviews are for, a, now interviews are for the okay. director of council affairs today. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, you were talking. That's my mistake. I misunderstood you. Which so, which I think um, should be postponed until you have a clerk of court. If that council mm-hmm. affairs mm-hmm. director has to mm-hmm. answer to the clerk of court, a uh, clerk of council. Mm-hmm. Well, and right now, I don't think, well, I know, and based on, I haven't been communicated to by anybody on, okay, where we go from here, other than we have an open position. And obviously, the open position needs to be filled. Hence, that was the reason I said, look, let's just focus on this open position before we do the Director of Council Affairs before, because I believe it's, again, I, I believe it's the hub of the wheel. I think it's, I think it should take priority. And I've been in, uh, and I've told my fellow city council people um, that that's that's my position. But, the director you know. of council affairs interviews are still scheduled for three o'clock today. We've mm-hmm. been we've been told that one or two of the potential candidates may have withdrawn their names. What can you tell so us I've about heard. how many candidates you have? What's the list look like now? I think the list is down to four. I think we started off with six, and two have decided that they would rather interview for the clerk of council rather than the director of council affairs so they have withdrawn their names to the best of my knowledge and they will probably be applying um at some point for the director i'm sorry for the clerk of council okay my mistake how will these interviews go today do you know is the procedure set uh how's it going to be handled that is something that we're going to see when we get there apparently um i know that we are going to be asking questions um, I don't know how many questions were allowed. I don't need, I don't need many, maybe one, maybe two, but, um, we're going to be asking questions of the four that are going to be applying. And 
uh, you know, when I know I listened to um, Dr. Jackson's interview, I think it was last week on Friday, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I know the original intent was to allow them to have 30 minutes to convince us or to share with us why they want this job. But that's why we have the resumes. That's why we have the paperwork. That's why we have the background investigations. And then really it's just about, you know, taking our, taking these and doing our homework and, um, you know, asking a couple of follow-up questions to decide who's the best qualified for this position. Um, and again, you know, I'm not a fan, but, you know, um, the process is going forward. I wanted to be a part, a part of the process. I don't feel it's um, responsible for me not to. Um, I may not agree, but I'm going to be part of the process and represent uh, you know, my constituents. Now, do you do you have an issue with these interviews being in an open forum? No, ma'am. No, sir. No, that's what I requested. Mm-hmm. So there's no no. This so is, why you know the way I, the way I look at it, Mike, is the city council. The city council uh, people are elected. They represent the people, and therefore the people own. I think they own the city council, including the chair. So this is why I wanted um, I wanted this position out there because it's the public. It's the public's forum, and in in I know that Dr. Jackson had good intentions. So don't misunderstand that. Is that when when we do things behind. I say behind closed doors. I'm not saying it's clandestine or anything, but the point is that when we do things out of the public's view, then it just doesn't, it didn't seem right or seem fair to me. And um, therefore, I, I did some research. I had some other people do some research, and we realized that this is a violation of the open meetings law, is it's a rolling quorum, and that it should be open to the public. The public should know what their city council people are doing, who they're hiring. Uh, everything to do with um, uh, their representation. That's Will you take my, any action opinion. today or tomorrow to delay hiring of the Director of Council Affairs? Will Jim Talaferro propose any measure to delay this? I will. I That is a good question, Aaron. Um, I am thinking about that because um, I wanted to go on record other than just an email. And, um, you know, so thanks for bringing that up. And it is food for thought. And it may or it may happen. Um, but because my, my thing is, is that it's the focus of, I think, the council, and I would believe it would be the wishes of my constituents and those who I represent to do one thing at a time. And, yes, this was unfortunate. It was unexpected. You know, but I believe that, um, you know, this is a priority to hire our clerk of council first mm-hmm. before, before another position that we actually created. You understand what I'm gotcha, saying. Gotcha, gotcha. Shreveport City Councilman Jim Talaferro, thank you, sir. Appreciate your time this morning. It's a privilege. Thank Thanks. you so much for asking me. Mm-hmm. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. <laughs> 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Shreveport just booked their 15th homicide. We're going to talk with uh, former Shreveport uh Police Detective Rod Demery. I believe he's with Grambling State University now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got him on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. He'll join us next. Mike and McCarty, 1017 F. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Rod Demery. Good morning, Rod. Thanks for joining us this morning. 
Hey, good morning. How are you, buddy? Uh, we're, we're doing fantastic. Uh, we're still above ground, unlike 15 other people in Shreveport. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. I've, I've uh, heard some, some things. Rod, you you were a homicide detective for many years in Shreveport. You're now at uh, Grambling. You do some work, I think, for the DA's office, too. What you know, we've we've talked about this, we've prayed about it, we've had rallies, we've had marches. Are there some new things being done in law enforcement that Shreveport should try, Shreveport should look at? You've studied all of it. Hey, you know, Aaron, I, I know there there are a lot of advancements in, in, in law enforcement and, and policing. But I, I think the the old tried and true things are the ones that work. I mean it's 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 a reality that you have to have some sort of deterrent. You have to have um, community cooperation and trust. Um, obviously, you know, violent crime is, is, is not desired, but when you don't, um, and, and I'm certainly not speaking about Shreveport specifically, but when you don't have a, a high closure rate, and that's happening uh, around the country, violent crimes just go unsolved or unanswered, then people kind of feel I guess, I guess it's twofold. People feel like they need to protect themselves and sort of take the law in their own hands, either for retribution or, or some sense of protecting themselves, or uh, just kind of feeling like they can get away with it. Uh, um, once you have those two two things happening, you have a problem. Um, ironically, when I worked for Shreveport, I had a uh, lieutenant. I don't know if anyone remembers uh, Jimmy Muller. He actually retired as a captain. But uh, he told me a long time ago, he said, Rod, when you have a community that fears crime and criminals more than they respect the police, you have a problem. Now, I'm not saying people don't respect the police in Shreveport because I honestly don't know. I haven't been there in a, in a very long time. But those those things definitely contribute to, to rises and Rod, I saw we're talking with Rod Demery. I, I saw a special talking about the cesspool that Chicago has become. Their uh, city prosecutor, I think her name was Kim Fox, uh, funded by Soros. They don't prosecute, and those that are arrested are are back on the street within 24 hours. And I, you talk about there's no deterrent to crime. When are we going to go back to? being tough on crime there, yeah, people I, I, aren't I, afraid of any any retribution at all from law enforcement yeah that's exactly right and once you have a, a situation like that where people in chicago where people just don't fear that i mean in fact there, there's really nothing to fear you can go out and shoot someone you can you can do whatever it is you want to do and there's no consequence uh, once you have that dynamic in place you've got a, a heck of a problem um, the only thing that stops people or controls people if they can't control themselves is the, the, the thought of them being prosecuted, arrested, thrown away for the rest of their lives, and it kind of deters people, even the worst. But when you have people that just feel like nothing's going to happen, I mean, it's a, it's a huge problem. There's, there's no, no accountability. There, there's no sense of, uh, you know, this person's going to be arrested and go to jail. And that can be for a couple of things. It could be because the police can't catch the person or they catch the wrong person. And you start to erode public trust because people start to believe then that they're not taken care of. Um, and that that's a, another problem in itself. Rod, let me ask you, because I, I struggle with this a lot, and I know you probably do too. The same people who are, are witnessing and, and having crime in their neighborhoods, 
in the in the high crime areas are also the same people who supported the Justice Reinvestment Act, which let criminals out of jail, which said we shouldn't p- throw people in jail and throw away the key. I don't understand how those two can can mesh, and I and I struggle with that a lot. Um, have we gone too far in being soft on criminals? Yeah, you know, I I, I listened to some of the, some of the conversations, especially on the uh, on the national news, and I and, and I'm actually floored by it. I, you know, everyone is okay with being soft on crime until they become a crime victim. Yeah, you know, it unfortunately, if if your mother, your sister, your child is murdered. Then you want something done and, and, you know, you want the system to work for you. If it's someone else that's not you or someone you love or someone you care, then, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot of sympathy or empathy for people who commit crimes. Uh, we need to stay consistent across the board. I don't know where this whole new line of thinking came from, but it's absolutely ridiculous if you ask me. Um, people commit crimes that need to be punished for those crimes, um, especially violent crimes that you know, I get the, the, the crimes that involve drugs or whatever, because honestly, I think that's a, um, a societal or, or even a metaphor policy uh, issue. But when you when you start hurting people and killing people or firing shots where you terrorize people, there has to be something swift and, and certain that you're going to pay for that. But, you know, as, as a I mean, you're still working in the in the business. There is still a problem in getting police officers. Folks don't want to come to your profession anymore uh, for a, a lack of trust by the community. A lot of other reasons. What's the answer to that part of the problem? Well, I think there has to be some accountability in government. Uh, people that run cities, you know, whether it be mayors, governors or whomever those people are, when you have that chaos going on. You have such a, a, a disruption where people just don't trust themselves. Um, you're always going to have that problem. People are going to shy away from police work because they don't feel like they're going to make any any difference uh, as they used to. People are going to police work that could make a difference, or people don't trust um, the the system as well. And you know, we hear, hear these horror stories about police officers that that get prosecuted and go to prison, or, or end up on someone's social media account as being called a you know, abusive or racist or, or whatever the case may be, because that's a trend. Now, that's not saying that people that are, are messing up in police work shouldn't be dealt with, because they absolutely think so. But I think it goes a little far. I think the the go to answer for everyone when there's a problem um, is, you know, they're either racist, abusive, or, or whatever the case may be. And mm-hmm. I, I think that turns a lot of people off. And, and lastly, before we have to let you go, what would your advice be to Chief Wayne Smith, the mayor of Shreveport? Um, today, as they start to see, you know, violent crime spiking again, what do you say to them? What what should they go and and be doing right now? I think he should just uh, focus and, and hold the line. I mean, I, I know I actually know Chief Smith. I think he's a great person. I think he needs to stay focused and stay the line. I mean, it's a uh, or toe the line. It's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, uh, this job has never been easy for anyone. And obviously, my thoughts and prayers are, are not only with him but everybody in Shreveport because I I just can't stand to see that sort of uh, turmoil and stress on on a city. So. You know, I, I and, and the men and women's Shreveport Police Department. I mean, those are those are my people. I grew up in the police department. Just just hang tight. You know, keep working. Um, I think I think they'll get through it. Rod Demery, thank you so much for your time this morning. We appreciate you. Thank you. You bet. Thank you, sir. One hundred one seven FM.
1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. I just looking at your I was just looking at your your post on keelnews.com. The uh the most powerful women in Shreveport. Mm-hmm. Shreveport Bozier. There's a there's a striking absence mm-hmm. from this list. Yeah. Well who? Do I, who who do I need to add? You didn't I mean you you've got I don't know how many people on here. Christy Gustafson, uh, 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 Margaret Sheehy, and um, um, Tabitha Taylor, Liz mm-hmm. Swain. There's no Aaron McCarty oh, on this stop, list. Stop! Stop! Aaron, no. I've sat I've sat here and witnessed it. <laughs> I'm just a I'm just a spewer of info. <laughs> I'm not a mover and shaker. I'm just a talker and and Quaker. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's a pretty good list, and I'm still thinking. I'm, I'm nervous about somebody's missing. So when you say that, I'm like, "Ooh, I hope I'm not missing somebody that should be on the list." And I know uh, you can't put yourself on your own. No, list, I'm not going to put my own. Self I, if, if I were doing this list, you would be on that list. Oh well, thank you. That's sweet. I'm not trying to kiss behind. Yeah, and you know, one that was at the top of the list a year or so ago, uh, Dr. Martha White. During the heat of the pandemic, she was number one on the list. She's kind of moved down. She doesn't even probably want to be on the list, but she still is one of the movers. But it's a lot of people from the business community, uh, politicians, some of the big big shots. Um, you know, and like Ollie Tyler's moved off the list. She's no longer mayor. She's in, into retirement. But there are a bunch of folks on there. But I do want to know if you think I'm missing somebody. Send me an email and, and let me know who needs to be added to the list because it's a lot of really big shots in town. And if you want to see the full list, most powerful women in Shreveport Bossier, right now it's at keelnews.com. Let me know who needs to be added to my list. All right. Um, what's your email? <laughs> email. It's in the post. Go look. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go do a little work for it. And uh, when I'm thinking about that, the, then. because we're starting, believe it or not, Wednesday is March 1st, and it's Women's History Month. And so we're going to have a lot of celebrations for women and, and all kinds of things will be happening. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start out with my list and get it up and going before the, we get to March, which I can't believe is already here. Unreal. <laughs> I like to aggravate my wife because they'll talk about like a doctor, mm-hmm. doctor so-and-so in, in a woman. I was like, well, you said, well, you know, Dr. Lisa something. Oh. I said, you meant, you meant nurse, right? Because it's a woman. Oh, Mike. <laughs> Thank you wow. for laughing, Ruben. Can we throw something at him? <laughs> it's just being oh, absurd. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Women can do everything men can do. Well, almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Look. Men and women are different. Yeah, and they I are. celebrate those differences. Mhm. Uh, okay. And, okay. And we don't have time to go into <laughs> any <laughs> or get the boxing gloves out for no. me to pound you. Yeah. Which you could. Yeah. I, I hit you on your bad shoulder, though, right oh, now. Oh, that'd be a problem. That would be a problem. I'm one arm today. Oh, no, goodness. great, great post, and uh, yeah, congratulations to to these women and, and uh, do, do, doing great things for oh, Shreveport Bossier. Every day they're Absolutely. in the trenches and and doing the the hard work that a lot of people don't want to do. Yeah, that's for sure. Great stuff. All right. Thanks uh, Thanks to our guests today. We've got a busy week coming up. Thank you so much making us part of your morning. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 